I'm standing on the border of Mexico and the United States, on the United States side, looking at a small but elegant monument. There's only one other like this anywhere in the world, and according to the sign on this one, that other monument is 2,627 miles away on the border between the USA and Canada. Over the next few months, Liz and I are going to try to walk between here and that monument following the Pacific Crest Trail. And at this precise moment, I have no idea what is going to happen to us along the way or whether we're going to make it. In 2002, I hiked the length of the United States of America with my girlfriend Liz. We completed a through-hike of the Pacific Crest Trail from the Mexico border into Canada. More than 2,500 miles of parched deserts and snow-choked mountains. Six months of aching bodies and blistered feet. Yet we knew 2002 was a special time for this wilderness trail. Somebody can call me a liar or an exaggerator, but I've seen it written that more people have summited Mount Everest than hiked this trail. I recorded conversations and our thoughts along the way, recordings that lay untouched for 20 years until I discovered them while clearing out some boxes. I've turned them into this podcast series. And right now will be considered in future decades as the classic time on the Pacific Crest Trail because now the trail tread is excellent. There are signs and blazes. Trail angels, the people who, who help us hikers along the way by putting water out, taking us into the houses. Uh, right now is, is the absolute classic time because of all of those things and because it's not overcrowded. Fewer than 300 people started the trail in 2002. 20 years later, the numbers run into their thousands, due largely to the trail featuring in a book and a movie. So as well as painting a picture of those classic years, later episodes in this series will look at the impact of that huge increase in hiker numbers. How much has changed? How much remains the same? There are times when it's, it's just a sea. It's just a stream of hikers coming up the trail. What's that like for a thru-hiker? We'll speak to a couple who completed their hike in 2022, 20 years after ours. On our hike into the terminus, we could see the fires over the hilltops, and then on our way back from the terminus, the wind had changed, and the fires were just, like, with, in the span of hours, you could see them getting way, way, way bigger. And the man behind the PCT Hiker Survey helps us assemble a snapshot of today's typical PCT hiker. Literally what you described and literally what the data represents was exactly me when I hiked the <laughs> PCT the first time. White, straight, 20-something male from California with a bachelor's degree going out on the trail because don't really know what else to do and trying to figure it out. It's only now, 20 years later, I realize the Pacific Crest Trail has changed my life in ways I couldn't begin to imagine in 2002. If you survive the trail and you make it to the end, it gives you a certain amount of confidence to do other things that aren't related to a trail, to take on projects where you normally think that, no, this is beyond me. And back then, a hiker called Henry Shires had just started a business sewing what he called tarp tents, a combination of both, and he allowed us to use an early design. Now his business has grown, and TarpTent.com is supporting this podcast series.
It's a Monday morning and we are driving down Interstate 25, heading from Santa Fe to Albuquerque to the airport. We've spent the last three weeks or so in Santa Fe. The reason for that is, well, we have friends there and uh, they're acting as sort of mission control. We want to call into towns or small little villages or anywhere that's got post offices or a resort or something every five days or so. And uh, that's where we will pick up food. However, we cannot absolutely guarantee that these places are going to have well, any food to pick up. It could be just like, I don't know, a small petrol station or something with, um, with Snickers bars and cans of beer, which really isn't going to get us very far down the trail. So what we have had to do is to pack boxes full of dried food, which is pasta, rice, instant sauce mixes, crackers, a lot of peanut butter, far too much peanut butter, and we've left them with our friends, and we hope that every week or so they're going to go to the post office and they're going to mail us one of these boxes. As you can probably guess from my accent, I'm English, although Liz and I live in Scotland. She quit her job and I took six-month unpaid leave from my work as a reporter with the BBC to hike the PCT. We've climbed a lot of mountains, but neither of us have tackled anything this committing. More experienced through hikers package up their food boxes during their hike, doing a big supermarket shop and posting the boxes ahead. We're less confident and found it difficult to know what sort of food shops we'd find in different towns. We don't want to waste money posting bags of pasta around the United States, but then we don't want to go hungry either. Our only information comes from a slim paperback book called the PCT Town Guide, and I suspect it might be a little dated. We hope to get some good information from the man we'll meet next. So we now have to get to the start of the trail, so we're driving to Albuquerque, where we're going to fly down to San Diego, and there we're going to be met by someone who, well, frankly, I haven't met before. His name's Glenn Van Pesky, and uh, we'll see what he turns out to be like. Wednesday, 17th April 2002, and earlier this evening, we had a lesson in ultralight hiking from two masters. Glenn is the man behind Gossamer Gear and a board member of the Pacific Crest Trail Association. He and his friend Reed, who has through-hiked the trail, just went through all our hiking kit, insisting we justify every single item, putting aside anything we couldn't, because the ounces quickly add up. My knife, they replaced with a tiny Swiss Army knife. Our head torches, they swapped out for tiny single-cell LED lights. And to hold them in place, dots of Velcro on the peaks of our hats. I'm amazed and more than a little impressed to get our base weight down to around 13 pounds. Liz and I are going to bed ahead of an early start, but Glenn and his wife Francie are staying up sewing pockets onto the sides of our two Golite Gust packs so we can carry extra water in platypus bags. Right, well, what's the time? It's something like, yeah, quarter to five. It's quarter to five, Liz. You're going to have to get up in the morning on Thursday, the 18th of April. And this is the day that we intend to start our Pacific Crest Trail hike. And uh, there's the alarm. It's definitely quarter to five. Liz doesn't do mornings too well. Uh, Reed and 
just packing our stuff. Reed, Glenn and his friend Reed are going to run us out to the border this morning so we can start our hike. Uh, that's why we're leaving so now. Glenn's going to hike with us for a couple of days. Uh, Reed's just going to help get us there and, and, and sort the cars. He's incredibly generous. In fact, I really don't know how to repay their hospitality because they sewed our packs, they fed us, they run us around, they met us from the airport and <laughs> taking us to the start of the hike. It's also going to be a bit of a class and they're going to teach us stuff as we go. As I say, we, we are a bit stumped as to how to repay their hospitality. Americans call folks like this trail angels and, well, we've met our, our first few trail angels, that's for sure, in San Diego. But, um, um, so that makes me a little, I don't, I don't see how you can close 78 east at Ramona, but having seen the sign makes me a little bit wary of that route. It is difficult to know how many people complete a through-hike of the Pacific Crest Trail, because the definition of a through-hike is difficult. For example, if a section is closed for a big forest fire, and a hiker takes a bus past it, does that invalidate the through-hike. We were, we were talking about the kind of the purity of uh, of your hike, about how much... This is Reed. ...how closely you, have, you need to stick with the trail. And, of course, that's that's completely individual. Uh, for me, I wanted to, to walk from Mexico to Canada, so I didn't want to skip sections and get in a car and, uh, and, and ride uh, 100 miles north because it was... Uh, uncomfortable or snowbound or uh, the guidebook said the trail was boring to me that, that 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 wasn't something i wanted to do on the other hand if i came to a, a point where the trail was buried in snow and very difficult to or or perhaps almost impossible to follow it there's a logging road that was parallel to to the uh, trail I didn't feel bad at all about walking on the logging road for a little, little ways. Excuse me, let's turn off for a second while I... Yeah. That was 79, and I don't think that's quite... Sorry, I should be navigating here, shouldn't I? Uh, I'm not doing a very good job. Um... Right, now let's get the packs out. Oh, thank you. That's the water. <clears throat> Stick that in the side of the pack. There we go. Right, should we get these weighed and see what ours weigh? If you like. Do you want to know the weight, Liz? No, not really. <laughs> I'd quite like to know. Right, digital scales. <laughs> okay. okay this is with food and water. Right? This is with food and six litres of water. 32.8, that's near as down 33 pounds. Well, go on, that's, that's okay, I think. No, oh, man. 35. How come you got more? I, okay, I need to take the, take, the, um, take the fuel out of yours. You like the pockets, right? The pockets are fantastic. Yeah. You're looking forward to this. <laughs> You're looking forward to I'm it, not right? really. I I don't know. I'm kind of overwhelmed. My brain isn't really thinking about the whole thing yet.
Glenn is hiking with us for two days to make sure we get off to a good start, pointing out potential hazards we wouldn't recognize, like poison oak. Looking at uh, poison oak, I'm sorry, I don't know the official botanical name, but uh, you don't want to get close enough to, uh, to need to know that anyway. Why? Uh, because if you're allergic, now you could be, and maybe in the interest of science, you should just kind of roll around in a little to see <laughs> see if you're allergic to it. Could and uh, it's a helicopter coming by. That's the border patrol. We're still close to the border here. Let, okay, well, he goes overhead. Tell me what ha what would happen if uh, if I was to touch that? Well, I don't know. What, what happens to me is nothing right away. But the oil's on your hand, which is even worse because then you're unconsciously spreading it to other parts of your body. Mm -hmm. You know, anywhere from like 12 to 24 hours, you start noticing that it's itching. And then you'll get a raised, uh, you know, like a raised blister and it'll be... Uh, pus in it that'll ooze and it can get quite nasty. We've been going for about two and a half hours now. Not too sure how far we've gone actually, um, but the sun's come out and the trail is incredibly dusty and it's getting in my shoes so we've just taken a bit break. You can see why people talk about their feet baking. I don't know if it's dust getting in there, but I've never actually had... Well, not in Scotland. Had feet feel quite so hot and dusty as this. So we're going to take the shoes and socks off just for a quick ten minutes rest. I'll move on again later. Running shoes are more commonly used than boots in the desert, and I thought a well-ventilated pair would be ideal. However, they are letting in too much sandy dust and it is grinding like sandpaper on the still soft soles of our feet. It's now quarter past 12 and we've stopped. Is this lunch? No, well, kind of. Snack. Yeah. More of a foot... Oh, gosh. Actually, it's quite sore down there. This is more of a foot rescue time. We're finding that... Uh, out here, some, I'm not prone to blisters, but walking in on these surfaces, it's a bit like having lots of little pins sticking through the sole of your shoe onto the inside. And when you take your shoes and socks off, apart from being very dirty, they're very tender. And I don't know if it's the heat or the moisture, I don't know what it is, but it certainly is a um, prime candidate for giving you blisters. So the plan is to, to stop every couple of hours really to take the shoes and socks off and to eat but just try to avoid as many of them as possible we're just walking along and um, rounded a corner heard this voice saying, you got anybody in front of you? And it wasn't any of our voices. Turns out it was one of the border patrol guards who was up ahead of us. And it seems there are some illegal immigrants somewhere running up ahead. And he reckons they're, they're dragging something behind them, presumably to try to uh, hide their footprints, which kind of explains the helicopter activity earlier and why this guy is just standing there armed and looking for these chaps. Must be scary actually trying to get into, being so desperate to want to get into the country that bad. Ah, little border patrol jeep. 
Did he say 10 guys? I thought that's what he said. I thought he said I was chasing 10. It's now quarter to four and we've covered about 15 miles. So we've stopped and we're going to have our cooked meal. Have we been making good progress? I think we probably have actually. It seems to be quite quite good. What do you think? Oh, come over here. It's the first day, very heavy rucksacks and it's hot and I had three hours sleep last night. So all things considered, you think we're doing fairly well? Yes. Yeah, I, I kind of agree actually. We actually have been fortunate because it has not been as hot as it could have been, but it's been in the 70s today, and there's been this wind, which I keep hearing blowing against the microphone, which makes things a lot, a lot better. You, you've had it hotter here, haven't you, Glenn? Oh yeah, last year it was a lot hotter. I think, I think the water, we're lucky with the water, it worked out just, it worked out well. We would have been a lot tighter if it had been really hot. What we cook on, um, we've got a, it's kind of a homemade stove. It burns on, on alcohol, meths, uh, but they call it denatured alcohol here. Only I left the bottle of it behind <clears throat> uh, this morning when we left. And so we had a call into some little store somewhere and they didn't have this sort of alcohol that works well in this stove. So we had to just buy, well, rubbing alcohol and it's not burning nearly as well. So we're waiting for the water to boil so we can put some pasta. Oh, it's getting there. So we can cook some pasta and drop in some, what's this we've got here? Beans, tomatoes and textured vegetable protein. TVP. TVP. And we've got some Parmesan cheese to put on top of it. Sounds yummy, doesn't it? That's the sort of stuff we're going to be eating for the next six months. Or just when we're in the back country before we call into any, uh, any little towns. We're not actually going to camp here for the night. Uh, this is, we're in a place called Hawser Creek. And uh, being 15 miles from the border, it's a, it's a place where we're told quite a lot of... Um, illegal aliens spend the night and it can get quite active down here after dark so we're pushing on an extra five miles to uh, a campground at Lake Marina but uh, we may as well have the, the food in us to help us get there because it's a bit of an uphill when we leave right that looks like it's boiling so I'm going to take care of that Seven minutes past six, and that was a cold night. There's a thermometer on this, and it was it was hanging on the edge of the tent, and it was down to something like um, 25 degrees. Uh, that's Fahrenheit, so it was dipped well below the 32 that is freezing. Glenn's gone. Um, about four in the morning, he uh, he packed up his tent <clears throat> and uh, stole away. He's very much an early riser. So uh, we communicated through the tent wall, but we said our goodbyes last night. He's been incredibly generous to us. And we're going to move a lot slower because Glenn has got everything down to a fine art. He knows what the conditions are like here, and he romps along. Um, and I, we were going to allow about four days to get to this point. We've done it in two uh, which is possibly explains why we both have some blisters because our feet really aren't up to it. I think Glenn had one as well. Our first resupply box is in the post office here. I say here, it's about a quarter of a mile up the road. And we've got a lot of food in there that we prepared when we were in Santa Fe. And that will see us through the next section, but that post office doesn't open until 11 o'clock, which is a good thing 
because it means we can have a bit of a lie-in. And we can, well, I can just look at the map and work out what happens next, because I think we have a very dry section next, something like 22 miles without water. So by the time we get the extra food for the next section and all the water loaded up, we're going to be leaving here with heavy rucksacks. And uh, I want to be taking what we need with a little spare, but not too much spare. Half past three, Saturday the 20th, and uh, we're coping quite well with our first fairly major setback. Last night we'd gone up to the post office and it had a sign on the door that today, Saturday, it would be open between the hours of 11 o'clock and 1. So we thought, two-hour window, make sure we get that. So after sort of messing around this morning and just sorting everything out and getting ready for the next set of the trip, we walked up there at about five past twelve and it is shut. And there's a new sign on the window which says post office is now open from nine till eleven, which kind of like they changed the hours and didn't bother putting up a sign. So that was really quite a setback because our food box is in that post office and we cannot get to it until Monday. Yes, thank you. Fortunately, there was enough food in the local store to see us through the next difficult stage. We're pressing on and we're going to be entering soon a, a pretty tough waterless section, so we, we had quite a lot to eat at the store, so we didn't really start walking till 2 o'clock this afternoon. I think we're going to have the heaviest sacks so far because we'll have five days' worth of food and all our water containers will be really full because then we start dropping down into some really hot territory. There'll be no water for over 30 miles and that's like a, well, a day and a half's walking. So we've got to carry all our water for that. Sunday, 21st April. Fourth day on the trail. And while the nights are cold enough to freeze our water bottles, the days are heating up. A well-known hiker and writer called Ron Strickland took some photos of us today. He's thinking of producing a coffee table type book of the PCT. He gave some moleskin to Liz for her increasingly blistered feet. We're covering shorter distances and hauling more than eight liters of water. It's nearly five o'clock. We've stopped for one of our many foot breaks. Uh, we've been walking quite a bit today with Ron Strickland who we met along the side of the trail. Uh, and this is the second time you've done the PCT, sort of, because you've done bits before. So explain that to me. I'm not walking all the way through from Canada, from Mexico to Canada, all in one shot. I'm, I'm doing what we call section hiking, in other words, doing chunks. So last year I did two months, including six weeks in this vicinity. But it got so hot last June that I gave up and, and went back to Seattle. Hotter than this? It was over 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm, well, it's about 85 here. That's right. It was so hot that the sheriff was rescuing people, hikers off Fuller Ridge by helicopter. <laughs> and you came back. <laughs> well, now, here I am back a month earlier, and, and, and as you notice, the last few nights it was below freezing every night. So, so this is a great improvement during the day for hiking, but uh, we've heard that the Weather is going to turn seriously hot tomorrow. Yeah, and we're going to be just hitting the, 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 the hot, well, one of the many hot bits ahead we'll, of us. We'll be hitting one of the most feared parts, Scissors Crossing, down in the, uh, the desert valley. We're going to get cut up, aren't we? Yes. Uh, tell me about your book plans. That sounds like a real interviewer's question, doesn't it? <laughs> tell me about your book you have planned. That's the kind of question that hiker, uh, authors always like to hear. Tell me about your book. <laughs> 
And I'm delighted to tell you about that. It, it's a guidebook to the Pacific Northwest Trail, which is which is not this trail we're on, the Pacific Crest Trail. The Pacific Northwest Trail goes from east to west from the Continental Divide in Montana, near the Canadian border, all the way to the Pacific Ocean. So my book is a uh, description of how to hike this 1,200-mile, very little-known new trail. But you've also been taking photographs along this one. I know that because we've been in quite a few of them. Uh, what's the plans for that? I am hoping to do a coffee table book about this Pacific Crest Trail and another one about the Pacific Northwest Trail. And besides that, I have a a um, wonderful idea, if I do say so, to link all of the east-west trails near the Canadian border from the Pacific Ocean to the Atlantic Ocean in what I call the Sea-to-Sea Trail. That's S-E-A to sea. How long would that be? About 6,000 miles. Fancy that one, Liz? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, tell, I'll tell you next week after my blisters have gone down. Because uh, how does this compare, this trail, this Pacific Crest Trail, how does this compare to the others? I mean, have we picked a good one? Oh, the Pacific Crest Trail is one of the best trails in the entire world. Th- this is one of the absolute classic things to do. Uh, the scenery is almost always wonderful. The grade is usually very easy. Not always, mm. as you will find out. The uh, companionship is usually very good. And right now, in the 2002 and for the next couple of years, will be considered in future decades as the classic time on the Pacific Crest Trail because now uh, the infrastructure is perfect. The, the trail tread is excellent. There are signs and blazes. Uh, there's uh, a developed uh, network of trail angels, the people who, who help us hikers along the way by putting water out and taking us into the houses. Uh, uh, right now is, is the absolute classic time because of all of those things and because it's not overcrowded. Mm-hmm. Notice we've seen very few people and this is the very best time of year to start out. Do you, do you think it will get more crowded? Oh, absolutely. Just like in uh, the UK, a lot of trails are crowded or even the Appalachian Trail. Now there's uh, I don't know if this is really true, but I've heard there are two or 3,000 people start out in the spring in Georgia going, you know, yeah. north to Maine. Did uh, Bill Bryson's book help that? Yeah, Bryson's A Walk in the Woods uh, yeah. made the Appalachian Trail more popular, mm. uh, even at the expense of making fun of all the things I hold dear. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, you're talking about trail angels. We came across a water stash uh, before lunchtime. It would be about 12 yeah. o'clock, and uh, it was getting very hot, and we were a bit concerned about the amount of water that we had. And then we came across all these bottles just tied together with a rope by the side of the road, and two chairs inscribed to the class of 2002 to rest by some trail angels, the, the trail rats. Were, trail rats, weren't they? Yeah. Yes, they were called trail rats. There were three fellows who would put that water out and uh, created those chairs. God, so glad to see that. Anyway, I think the socks are dried now. We better get moving. And so the heat begins. It's uh, been a hot morning. We got moving by about seven o'clock long, slow, <clears throat> traversing descent of a mountain that involved climbing bits of it as well, Granite Mountain. And then quite a mercilessly hot trek that was not very long, actually. It's about only about two miles across open ground to reach quite a famous little intersection on the PCT called Scissors Crossing. But this is a road bridge, so if you hear a distant rumble, it's not, a, not thunder, it's a car going overhead. But it is really very glamorous, sitting here underneath a 
road bridge. I feel like a vagrant. Yeah, it looks like one of water. Looks like Waterloo Bridge. <laughs> People come here just to wait out the heat of the day before, which is what we're going to do before tackling the San Felipe Mountains. It's now half past eight. We are almost on top of the San. Felipe's, I nearly forgot what mountains these were. When we emerged from that underpass, when we came out, my goodness, it was like walking to a blast furnace, but we'd really, we'd really timed it right because it was about quarter to four. The heat of the day was starting to fade. So we started these long, long zigzags up the side of the mountain. And I was using this the umbrella that I have that's covered in the silvered foil. Uh, Liz was using her trekking poles. And she found, actually, you found, you found your feet were feeling a lot better today, didn't you? Yeah, they're much better. Just having a look at them now, doing a bit of surgery again. But they're on the mend, I think. We covered eight miles, however, in four hours. So two miles an hour, which is a pretty good pace uphill, actually, considering we've still been stopping every hour for 10 to 15 minutes to let the socks dry to change our socks, actually, let the feet dry off, because that seems the best way to stop blisters. But anyway, we've got to where we were aiming for, and right by the side of the trail, lovely, flat, sandy little place. We were going to go a little bit further down to uh, where some trees were, but this is lovely, and you don't walk past a good campsite. Uh, make a cup of tea before we go to bed and have some chocolate just as soon as Liz has completed her surgery. Mm -hmm. Good night. I was just pouring the water and I happened to look out off and I saw this swarming mound. Oh my god, I've put my sack down in the bloody thing. Move! I've put my rucksack down in them as well. Uh, where can I go to get away from these little sods? We have a bit of a flap on. We are being invaded by ants, by horrible. Red ants. How big would you say they were? They're about some of them are about half an inch long. Others are bigger. Is that ground sheet clean? Okay. Let's put that in here. Are we going to carry on or go back to the canyon? I think those things will be in the canyon. Well, should we carry on walking? Yeah, because I don't even feel like going back. To be perfectly no, honest, it's woken me up. I tell you that. When you've been walking through a desert, that is a very pleasant sound. Water has become all important to us. It determines what time we get up, what time we go to bed, how fast we walk, uh, where we eat, what we eat. It really is a case of hide, stay hydrated or, or fry out here. Fortunately, kind people, trail angels, have been placing stashes of water. We came across one today that must have had about 40 gallons there and it, they have been lifesavers because 2002 is a drought year and this is the first running water that, uh, that I've seen since leaving the border what, five days ago, six days, I'm not sure now, it's, uh, it's Tuesday we left on Thursday and we're at Barrel Spring which could be the end of today we actually could press on our next resupply box is the town of Warner Springs which is it's a hot spring town so we're going to just eat here then move on to a place hmm, I don't know somewhere in the woods if we can find a good camp spot and uh, try to go into Warner Springs may probably tomorrow Wednesday 24th April we have arrived at Warner Springs, a luxury resort. 
Music plays while people soak in the large swimming pools heated by natural thermal springs. We've only been on the trail six days, but we've covered more than 100 miles, and we are ready for this. First, though, I'm meeting Mike, my local historian, to learn more about Mr. Juan Jose Warner and the story of these desert hot springs. Warner, he was the first man that set up the resort, and actually it wasn't a resort then. The Indians owned three or four of these adobes along here, and they were thatched roofs and what have you, and they had uh, rocks piled in such a way at the hot springs that some of the hot water traveled in with the cold water, mm -hmm. and it made for bathing. And so the weary travelers would pay the Indians like 50 cents or a quarter, and they'd let them bathe in that water. So that, actually the Indians were the first ones to start selling the privilege of being able to bathe in the water. But Warner started the official white man getting to use the water. And of course, uh, there's several owners that later on that continued to improve on the ranch to make it what it is today. I think I'm gonna go and do what the Indians did, jump in myself. There you go. <laughs> see why the Indians like this. It's 104 degrees, this, because it's been cooled. You can just float. Oh, this is good for the blisters. We're staying here for a few days. On Friday, we'll get a ride back down the trail to the annual Day Zero Pacific Crest Trail kickoff. Hikers, past and present, get together to share information, advice, and a lot of reassurance for our class of 2002. Which means I have a couple more days to enjoy this soothing water. Hi, are you? You Henry? Yeah. Simon Willis. Simon, how are you? Very well. In the next episode, at the kickoff, we will meet Henry Shires for the first time, the man behind TarpTent.com, who supported our hike with one of his designs back then and is now supporting this podcast series. We'll also meet the first man to hike the Triple Crown in one year, flying Brian Robinson. That's uh, about 7,400 miles, give or take a few. And the elevation gain? Total elevation gain, if you count the ups and the downs, is somewhere between a million and a million and a half feet. If you'd like to read our 2002 trail journal, day by day on the Pacific Crest Trail, please head to pctpodcast.com, where there's a Kindle and other e-reader download for sale. There are links in the show notes. I'm Simon Willis. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>